All right, guys, welcome back to the School Food Rocks podcast. I'm here again with Lauren Kuschwa, and we're excited today. We got Tracy Causey with the Alliance for the Healthier Generation on the show today. It's going to be a great show, so let's go. Tracy, welcome to the School Food Rocks podcast. We are so excited to have you and the Alliance for a Healthier Generation on our show. We've been talking about this for quite a few months, so I'm, I'm glad we finally uh, got to the date. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. We've got Lauren Kushwa here with us. Hey, Lauren. Hey, everybody. I'm very excited about this because I'm a pretty big fan of Alliance Joe. for a Healthier Generation. Not Joe. Jeez, for the love. I mean, you're all right, but if I'm going to be a fan girl of anybody's, it's definitely going to be the Alliance for Healthier Generation. Well, I agree on that. I've been a fan boy of the Alliance for Healthy Generation for quite a long time. They've been doing good work for so long, and I can't wait to get into some of the stuff you got going on now, Tracy. And, and um, so first, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Tracy and what your background is and what your current role is? Yeah, so my name is Tracy Causey, um, and I am the Senior Director of Program and Strategy at Alliance for Healthier Generation. Outside of um, Healthier Generation, I also serve as the um, Chair of the Food and Nutrition Section with the American Public Health Association. And I have a background, a background in nutrition and dietetics um, and food systems and population health. Awesome. So that's about me. Outstanding. Uh, we've known each other for quite a few years now. I don't know how long it's been. We did some work together prior with the Seafood Nutrition Partnership. So I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. And when I heard you went over to the Healthy Generation, I was just very, very, very excited and knew we had to get you on this podcast. And so let's get into it. So tell Sounds our good. listeners for the two or three in the world who may not know the great work you guys do. Tell us about who the Alliance for Healthier Generation is and what work you guys do. Yeah, so um, Healthier Generation, we are keenly focused on ensuring every mind, every body, and every young person is healthy and ready to succeed. And over the last 15 years, uh, we've worked with schools, youth-serving organizations, businesses, communities, and families to promote equitable environments that support whole child health. And recognizing that poverty and educational disenfranchisement and racial discrimination continue to be explicit factors in distribution of resources that support whole child health, we are keenly focused on making sure equity continues to be a central tenet to our work. And to date, we've um, impacted 3.1 million children, 54,000 schools, of which more than 69% are in under-resourced communities and 6.4 million families across the country um, by increasing access to nutritious foods, high quality physical activity, social emotional support, and family engagement. Um, so we really just try to focus on the whole child and supporting districts and schools with improving their policies and practices um, every day. That's great. So when you say things like that, though, what does that mean? Helping a school, helping a school district improve their current procedures or policies? What is it that you're looking to make just a little bit better everywhere you go? 
Yeah, so it really just depends on um, the needs of the districts and schools that we're working with. And so we truly meet them where they are. So it's not a cookie cutter, cookie cutter approach. Um, you know, we equip them with tools and resources. And that means, you know, starting off with an assessment to see where they are, what their needs are, um, what their interest and in, where we can support them. And so it might be um, doing a PLO series because they have a specific interest in a topic area uh, related to whole child health. It could be bringing them into our action center and diving deep into an assessment, either holistically um, assessing their, their program or within one topic area, um, and then action planning so they can make the improvements um, that they, they hope to make. And it could be very small changes um, or, you know, are big based off of what their um, district or school improvement plan um, entails and the support that they are looking for. So I'm assuming that when you guys do this, you know, you keep saying equity and whole child health. Can you break that down mm -hmm. for us? Yeah. So um, equity, <laughs> equitable whole child health is looking at the student in the center and all of the support and environments that surround that child. Mm -hmm. um, and so we know, we look at the school as being a hub um, that surrounds that child, but also the community, whole community that surrounds the child as well. And so not working across all of those layers to ensure um, policies and practices are aligned in the best interest to support health and well-being of the student. Which is awesome, because I think that's kind of the piece that most people don't either understand or overlook, right? So yeah. when we're dealing with our students and or the community and the public, the parents, there's a lot of almost it feels like blame people want to throw around, right? The school district should be doing this. Well, the parents mm -hmm. should be doing this. Well, truly, if we look at the whole community, how can we help each other is probably right. going to affect the biggest change that we can for these kids. So I love that you guys take that whole community approach. That's um, so super important. Yeah, I, I agree. I find that it's really important. And I think what we have seen in sort of this like post pandemic state is that, you know, you, you hear it takes a village. Like mm -hmm. I feel like it takes the whole community um, to show up and work together um, for us all to see the change that we we want to see. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, Tracy, um, tell us a little bit about why it's important for Healthy generation to increase universal free meals uh, throughout the country and how it's going to impact kids if we can continue to push towards that. Yeah, so we are definitely um, behind universal free meals. Um, we support any effort really to provide nourishing and accessible meals to children with the end goal of increasing nutrition security. And we really follow, you know, what the nutrition and health experts are saying, but also aligning with research that underscores the benefits of universal free meals and improving student attendance, reducing suspension rates and improving academic outcomes. So we believe that universal free meals is critical in reducing the stigma against um, students receiving free and reduced lunch. And so healthier generation um, we really support the new investments by the USDA to expand support for and access to uh, school meal programs and applaud the states that are taking measures to address food and nutrition security. And I think the bottom line is by um, increasing universal free meals across the country, we are moving in that direction to increase food and nutrition um, security. 
for children and families. Mm-hmm. Well, I know a number of states have already adopted universal free meals for all. And I think the expansion of the community eligibility provision um, is making the financial burden, burden a lot less on states. So hopefully um, we continue to see expansion of the CEP program because then it makes it a little bit easier for um, yes. school districts. There are states to, to adopt universal free meals. It does seem to me, it's one of the most infuriating things because Jim and I both feel, you know, what we're here to do is to do the best for the students that are in our care while they're with mm-hmm. us in the school district. And it is just mind boggling to me sometimes that fighting for children's uh, access to food, ec- you know, equity to food is something that people are going to truly say no to is just, uh, I mean, talk about get me on a soapbox and I try not to do that. But man, it's like, how do you say no to feeding kids? I just don't understand that. And I think sometimes if you're not in the schools to see that this is real, this is not some kind of jargon people are making up that we are the only nutritious meals they get for some of yeah. our students. That is the truth. It really is. It's it's not, you know, propaganda or anything where we see it and it's um it's heartbreaking. It, re- it really is. And, you know, I think um, I actually get chills talking about this because I'm so passionate about it. Working at a district level, working at a state agency, working at a nonprofit, no matter the the space, like, you know, the need of, of the students, you know, in the schools. And I remember back when I was working um, in the district, um, I remember going into, I would do my visits, going around schools to the cafeterias, and I would actually see students trying to put food in their backpack right and you know they couldn't take the food home but having that conversation with a student and they said I don't have food at home I'm trying to bring something home to my family right. that breaks your heart you know right. and so if we start with the end goal in mind that we want kids to be fed you know, to be healthy, then let's back up and see the strategies that will get us there. And I think universal free meals is one of those strategies that hopefully we all can continue to get behind. Absolutely. I think one of the things we saw during the pandemic, Tracy, when uh, the feds made universal free meals for all was that there were a tremendous amount of students that took advantage of that that probably for one reason or another didn't directly qualify for free meals, but should have if their parents would have filled out applications mm-hmm. for one reason or another, especially the the further you you go in grade levels, um, like high school kids, very few of them will, will get applications filled out for them. But um, we realized during that time, and we knew before that there's always a lot of kids, but you, know, you don't exactly know who they are all the time or Sometimes the the child will surprise you who really needs those meals. And um, we had lots of them come up to us, go, this is life changer for us. You know, it's, it's, it's significant. Thank you for one, for providing really good high quality food. But, you know, this has been a a lifesaver for our family. And um, I know with, again, with the CEP expansion here in South Carolina, we now include Medicaid students in the, in directly certified students. So um, state uh, districts throughout South Carolina this year are participating in CEP at a rate that was never seen before. So a lot more students in South Carolina, and I, I know this is true in other states as well, um, are are getting universal free meals, and it's 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 impactful for a lot of reasons. Whether it's the well being of the of the the student and their and their nutrition and their health or their test scores, there's it's a win win all around. Yeah, right. Absolutely, behavioral issues, attendance issues, all of the things that you can think of, just getting along in a social setting. 
right? We see that happen where kids don't want to go up because they don't want to be the free kid. They don't want to be the school lunch kid. We're very fortunate where Joe and I work outside of this, that we have an amazing school food program. Kids want to eat with us. Where I came from before though, it wasn't always that. And the kids that were, that I ended up becoming a completely CEP free, um, CEP qualified county before I left there. But um, beforehand, it was why we fought for CEP in our county because we saw the inequity. We saw how uncomfortable kids were that needed the food and wouldn't go up to the line for it. Um, so there's so much more to food. Like, you know, I think we all know that we're in food service. We know what it's like. Food is just as universal as it can be for bringing people together culturally, socially, familially. It's all of those things. Um, so I think we can we can confirm our soapbox of we all agree with you to really make sure that we're hitting all of our nation's children for that. Um, but one of the things that I'm also very interested in and appreciate you saying is it's providing equitable access to nutritious food. I am a dietitian. I am somebody who really hates when we call food healthy or unhealthy or good or bad. It, it drives me a little bit crazy because access isn't equal everywhere. So sometimes oh. what people can get is what they can get. And you better believe that that's really good food for those people. So um, I love that your initiative of, of trying to make sure that we're reaching our students for nutritious foods and making sure that our schools are doing what they can for that. So with that said, can you tell us a little bit about America's Healthiest Schools program and what schools need to do to meet those standards to qualify? Yeah, we are really excited about the return of America's Healthiest Schools, uh, which is Healthier Generations premier annual recognition program. And it honors schools for implementing best practices to support the physical, the mental, social, emotional health needs of the school community. And so awardees must um, meet criteria in the Thriving Schools Integrated Assessment, which is an evidence-informed tool that um, helps schools identify strengths and opportunities for improving policies and practices that advance health and learning uh, with an integrated approach. So when we talk about that whole child health approach, um, we look at that as an integrated approach to connect health and learning. And school teams may apply for recognition in up to nine topic areas all focusing on improving the physical and mental well-being of students, staff, and families. Um, and I, I guess I would say specifically related to school food, our topic area um, is titled Improving Nutrition and Food Access. Awesome. That's awesome. I've actually used your tool before to help develop uh, wellness policies in districts. So it's, it's great because it, it it touches every aspect of the child, not just the, the food and nutrition, but also the mental health and physical activity and all that. So it's great work. So what are, what are some examples of promotional work you guys have done to highlight some of the amazing programs out there? Yeah, so um, our program staff and content experts work closely with districts and schools across the country, um, helping them improve, you know, their um, school meal programs and increasing food access. And I say, for example, one um, in Washington state, our program staff are supporting with a food insecurity project that includes involvement from the school district and community partners, all working together to increase food access uh, for children and families. And then um, districts receive training and best practices and technical assistance, as I had uh, shared earlier. And so what our staff do is help um, districts and schools that are 
um, doing the work to improve their environments um, and to improve their policies and practices, look at the criteria within um, our recognition program. And so like relative to the food and nutrition um, access topic area, we are looking for best practices related to um, school maximizing school meal participation, um, meaningful collaboration um, on nutrition education, and then that community um, partnership or community engagement that will help to increase food access for students. And bringing people into um, the recognition program so they can formally apply for an award. And I, I would say in addition to that, we highlight success stories that we're hearing across the country, whether it be through blog posts, um, or sharing success stories on social media, but really being able to highlight the good work that we are seeing across the country, um, across all topics, but definitely relative to nutrition and food access. That's awesome. I love that. Like always spreading the the good all around, no matter what. But with that said, do you guys have like anything that comes to the top of your mind as something that was like super cool that you heard of and you were like, you know what, that's a best practice we need to share? Yeah, um, I will say there's like three things that we are seeing sort of across the country. You know, our our staff work with districts across the country. And I would say one is that we are seeing that districts and schools are really prioritizing or lifting um, their school up as a nutrition hub by offering all federal meal programs that are available to the extent that they can, mm -hmm. really helping kids access nutrition year-round. And I think we're seeing a little more, more of this um, perhaps as a COVID response where I think districts and schools had to get creative right. in their school meal programming and um, that creativity is continuing. So I would say one best practice is um, elevating you know, the school as a nutrition hub and really trying to um, increase programming. Um, the second thing, and Joe, you talked about this a little bit earlier, we are seeing an increase in uh, districts participating in DEP or the community eligibility provision, um, which we are certainly celebrating because that is allowing greater access to meals for students in need. Mm -hmm. um, and I think all of the things that you had mentioned, Lauren, around um, the ability, like by increasing DEP participation, it is increasing meal participation. It's helping to eliminate stigma and then overall helping to improve academic achievement. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think the win for school districts, if I can name it, is really being able to maximize federal reimbursements through right. the program. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I saw a number from FRAC recently um, that we are at about 82% of eligible uh, schools across the country participating. And I think that's a huge thing. So oh, I would say funny. one more best practice that I think is a great one that we are seeing um, is that connection from the cafeteria to the classroom and want to promote more of that, you know, um, seeing nutrition services collaborate with educators and, um, you know, whether it is gardens or just 
a simple educational lesson in the classroom that connects back to the cafeteria, those are the things that also help to increase um, excitement and participation around school meals. So uh, we've been seeing a lot of that, especially as we were reviewing um, applications for this past um, award season. And I I just, I love to see it. So um, I would lift that up as a best best practice that we are seeing. Absolutely. I I know Joe and I both feel very, um, very much in agreement on that. It's not just the food that you're providing as well. It's the environment in which those kids are in. It's the community involvement of the school, of the community around the school um, that makes such a difference. And for somebody who just like, I might get a farm to school tattoo on myself. I love it so much. Um, the in- the increased engagement you see from those kids that get to be involved in that and understand like, hey, your food doesn't just show up in your refrigerator or at the restaurant or at the drive-through. It's not like just magically appears. There was a whole process that went into it. It wasn't easy. And the amount of academic work you can bring into a school garden and then include the nutrition of it as well. It's like the best win-win situation for for me and for the kids, <laughs> for me selfishly, because I love it so much. But it's so fun to watch the kids really get into it. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Tracy, when we when we started the podcast, you were talking about the massive numbers, how many schools you guys impacted, students, families. Um, how many students was that that have been positively impacted by the work you guys do? Yeah, Joe, it was 31.1 million children across the country. Wow. That's really impressive. Uh, that is amazing. And when you think about over 31 million children impacted by you guys, to me, I don't just say that's 31 million, which we could, that could be totally enough, but those guys are going to go on to be adults, possibly parents, possibly teachers, educators, food service staff, you know, for my sake, let's say some more registered dietitians that are going to go on and impact even more lives in the long run. That is phenomenal. That is amazing work you guys are doing. Yes, we are so excited and really hope to increase that number. Um, by increasing our reach with more districts and schools across the country. Nice. Tracy, I know you guys offer so many resources, but for those that don't know how to access them, what kind of resources are available? And is there a website where they can go find those? Yeah, so listeners can explore our resources at Health on Healthier Generations website. And I would um, encourage them to click on our Action Center which is a robust and user-friendly platform um, that will allow them to access physical, social, and emotional well-being tools, resources, and training that will help them create healthier environments for their teachers, students, and families. Um, And creating an account for our Action Center is free. So visiting the healthiergeneration.org website, um, there's lots to explore. And I would say in addition to our Action Center, um, checking out our blog posts and success stories and articles that we have available, those are resources that I would lift up um, that I think would help your listeners as well. Awesome. So when we publish this podcast episode, we're going to make sure that we include links to all your social channels, your website and your Action Center as well. So we'll make sure we get all that on there to make it easy for, for our listeners to access all these resources. Um, awesome. Can I also name one other? Um, because, you know, it is School Food Rocks. 
Um, listeners, um, I would draw attention to our healthy eating at home um, space on the website, which has um, nutrition and whole child health uh, resources for families to access. Um, and that will link them to the Cole's Healthy at Home website as well. Oh, awesome. We'll, we'll make sure we include all that. Um, so I, I know our listeners are going to be intrigued after hearing this podcast. So how can people become involved in supporting your mission? Yeah, as I said earlier, it takes a village. It takes the whole community. Um, so by creating a healthier future for our children, um, we must come together. And our opportunities would be to uh, visit our school section on our website. For out-of-school time organizations, we have a space on the website where they can get connected. And then if you know people are just wanting to um, support the mission and vision of Healthier Generation, um, we encourage people to, to give. Um, so visit our donor um, space on the website as well. Awesome. So Tracy, that, that is awesome. It's been so fun talking to you. Uh, before we wrap today, are there any last uh, key takeaways you want to make sure people here understand about the work that uh, Healthier Generation is doing? Uh, I would say increasing food access, which is, you know, a, a focus of ours and advancing nutrition security through school meals is critical in promoting optimal physical and mental health of students and supporting their academic achievement. And I think we all agreed we can get behind um, the need for strategies that will move us in that direction. Um, across the country, districts and schools are doing amazing things to support child nutrition through school meal programs, nutrition education, food access strategies, and community outreach. Um, so continue, you know, and Healthier Generation is here to support. Um, and, you know, we just talked about resources. So um, please visit our website um, for your resource needs, reach out for training and technical assistance needs. And we're here to help ensure that districts and schools are um, getting the support they need, but also being recognized and celebrating for, celebrated for all of their hard work. So I would say those would be my uh, last takeaways. Um, that I'd like to share. Perfect, Tracy. That was awesome. We appreciate you so much and the Alliance for a Healthier Generation and all the amazing work that you and the organization are doing. Thank you for coming on today. This was great getting to talk with you and learn a little bit more. I hope the listeners will uh, follow up, look at the links in our show notes so that they can check out the amazing work you are doing and find a way to get involved in your mission as well. So thank you again. I appreciate it. Joe, any last words? Yeah, Tracy, I just want to say uh, thank you for your friendship over the years. And I'm so excited uh, that you're in this role and do, continue to do outstanding work. And I'm a big fan of you and the Alliance for Healthy Generation. And I'm glad you guys are together. I'm fans of you guys. And we're going to continue to promote the great work you're doing. And don't stop. And uh, just thank you again for being on the School Food Rocks podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And likewise, Joe. Um, but thank you all. Thank you so much for having um, Healthier Generation on your podcast. And we hope to come back soon. Awesome. Yeah, we look forward to it. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the School Food Rocks podcast. So until next time, let's go. Let's go.